You're listening to the Choose to Be podcast with host Alana Gordon and Amy Wolsey. As you join us each week, we will provide you with tools, resources, and knowledge to help you navigate your healing journey. Choose recovery, choose healing, choose you. Welcome to the Choose to Be podcast. This is our second episode on Choose to Be, and we are so excited that you are here to join our conversation. I am here with Alana Gordon, and we, again, are giggly about this podcast, and I personally have to contain myself because I am so excited to be doing this and to be here with Alana. Not only the more I get to know her, the more I am obsessed with her (laughs) and cannot believe and still have to pinch myself that I am doing this. It is so exciting. So thank you for being with us today. So today we're going to talk about owning your triggers and honoring your trauma responses. I think this one is extremely powerful and hopefully very beneficial to you during, I think, one of the hardest times of the year, the holiday season. Mm-hmm. And just to give a tiny bit of background before we hit the record button, Amy came to me and she asked a question and she said, what do you think about this? You're right. And, <laughs> and she had all these great thoughts around it. And poor Amy, I said, you know what? Let's talk about this live. So she has no idea how I think or how I feel, but that's what this podcast is. It's us having conversations. And, and you get to be part of the conversation. So welcome to the table, pull up a seat, sit back, get comfy, and let's dive into trauma. So today's episode is going to be focused more on the betrayal trauma side of it, but this would be really good that if you have had any type of sexual acting out behaviors and you want to understand your wife's trauma, it'd be a great one to listen to. It will give a big important um, caveat to that though, is this is not for you to listen and tell your wife how she is or isn't to work through her trauma. This is only for your understanding of what she has to go through and what some of her healing looks like. I'm glad you put that in there. Absolutely. This is a sensitive subject. It's a tough one. It's a hard one. So hang in there with us today. I We both hope that you can benefit from this and especially to be able to prepare a little bit for some added triggers and trauma that tend to do come at this time of year. So we wanted to put this out to help you and give you some tools and resources during this time. So the question that you, (laughs) I love how you added me. So the question that I asked, I'm going to go ahead and just start over. Repeat. Okay. So the question I asked you was. What do you feel about triggers? And I forgot exactly what I asked you. See what happens when you put me on the spot? I, I guess I just want to, I'm curious, Alana, what you think of what triggers really are compared to trauma responses. Okay. Let's start there. Let's first talk about what a trauma response is, and then we can go off of the triggers from there. So a trauma response is a way that your body mentally, physically, behaviorally responds to a traumatic experience. 
the important thing is what's traumatic for one person may not be for another person. And so last episode, we talked a little bit about not comparing ourselves or our journey or what's hard for us or easy for us to other people, which can be so hard to not do. But trauma can look different for everyone. But just a few symptoms of trauma that I want to go over that might be helpful and see if any of these relate to you. So first, cognitive trauma. Some of them could include having intrusive thoughts that feel like they come out of nowhere. They can also be very repetitive thoughts that just keep coming over and over again, no matter how hard you try to get rid of them. Nightmares, which feel so cruel because you can be so exhausted from the trauma and then you fall asleep and you're dreaming about the stuff that your partner did or didn't do or may do visual images of the event that can feel like you're there, or you can know they're in your head, but they're still those visual images. Loss of memory. It is a real thing. A lot of women will feel like their brain has just gone completely offline. They'll also describe it as like being in a fog, trouble with concentration. I remember for myself personally, I remember making a grocery list at like six months in and I just burst out crying because I was like, I did something somewhat normal that took brain power because I just, I just was offline for quite a while. Disorientation, confusion, and mood swings. Some behavioral symptoms of trauma include avoidance of activities and places that trigger memories or feelings social isolation and withdrawal, and lack of interest in enjoyable activities. All three of those under behavioral, I see almost across the board with women who are going through this. Physical can be easily startled, fatigue, exhaustion, edginess, insomnia, chronic muscle pain, sexual dysfunction, changes in sleeping and eating patterns. Some women just stop eating. Other women can fall into like binge patterns or, or just eating constantly, just using food as a way to cope, very common. Aches and pains throughout your body, um, always on the lookout for warnings of potential danger. With the physical, long-term trauma, if you don't work through it, your body can just keep shoving it down and shoving it down, and then you can have chronic fatigue and chronic illness be triggered by that type of trauma. And then psychological. So this is my last little column is overwhelming fear. We talked about that a little bit in the last episode, obsessive and or compulsive behaviors. Hypervigilance can be one of those. Trying to monitor absolutely everything that your partner does, what they're doing, where they're going, what they're saying, who they're seeing, all of that. Isolation from other people, emotional numbness, so common because all the feelings that you're feeling are so big and so overwhelming that your body and mind just shut down. We just numb out. Depression, guilt, panic attacks. I will speak to that. I had never had panic attacks before this. Totally had all out panic attacks. I thought I was going crazy. Oh yeah, I went to the hospital. I took myself to the hospital. Mm-hmm. I thought I was having a heart attack. I've never experienced that before. So I, mm-hmm. right there, mm-hmm. right there with you. Yep. 
shame, shock, disbelief, irritability, anger, which we'll do a whole episode, I'm sure, at anger at some point. Okay. There's so many layers to anger and anxiety. So many different symptoms of trauma. And I'm sure that all of us have experienced some of those at different times in our life. But when you're going through trauma, you're feeling a ton of these. You're going, yep, that, yep, that, yep, that. Yeah. And what does it say when you've had all of them? (laughs) I'm like, do I need to commit myself somewhere? Because I did. I can relate to almost every single one of those. Nightmares especially. And I agree with you. I think those are... I remember almost just being upset at God for the nightmares because it was like the one time I felt like I could get peace from all of it. And it's just like a healthy escape to go to bed and just be done and have a little bit of peace in my brain because my head just hurt so much. And then to have a nightmare and wake up with all of that, which just seemed rotten. But I can relate to that. The loss of memory, so relate to. And I will tell you, I still have memory loss. There'll be times when I will I'll see an old video or recall something, I see a picture and I'll be like, oh, I forgot about that. Or go through journals and read things on my journal and have completely forgotten. So that's a, that's a real thing. And then the eating. So my big trauma response was binge eating. And I would love to do an episode just on this because... This doesn't get talked about near enough. Mm-hmm. Extremely vulnerable, yes. But I think that, I, 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 yeah, anyways, that was a big one for me is binge eating. And you're right. The fear, the hypervigilance. I work with almost all of my women who are still married on the hypervigilance. That's a big one. The pollution. I like that you just went through all of those. I would encourage all of you who have just heard that list, maybe hit replay, go back and re-listen to that. And I would actually recommend you write down what resonates with you on paper. There's something very powerful about getting down on paper rather than letting it just sit in your head, but go back, re-listen to what Alana just said and all those different areas of trauma responses and write down what you are noticing because if we don't notice what, how we're responding, then we can't protect ourselves. We can't be aware. We can't start. It, it prohibits us from, I think what happens is that we stay stuck in the emotion of that trauma response, have a lot of negative self-judgments and guilt around certain trauma responses. So We need to work through those. And those are a great thing to bring to your one-on-one coach or therapist to say, hey, here's my trauma responses. Let's talk about these. How can I manage these? I absolutely agree. And this kind of leads right into then what is a trigger? And I'm just going to read the definition of a trauma trigger because it puts it way better than I could say it. But it just says a trauma trigger is a psychological stimulus that prompts recall of a previous traumatic experience. The stimulus itself need not to be frightening or traumatic and may be only indirectly or superficially reminiscent of an earlier traumatic incident, such as a scent or a piece of clothing. So that's the definition of a trauma trigger. So it's basically 
something that we can see or something that we smell or something that happens that takes us back to a previous event. Now, it's important to note that this is different than a trigger where we see something that is just upsetting to us. It doesn't take us back to the event per se, but it can bring up a lot of feelings. So right now in our like culture, you hear the word of like, that triggers me. And so I think it's important to talk about that there are two ways to look at the word trigger and to separate those. So during the holidays, you can have traumatic triggers and you can have triggers that are just triggering your trauma. I just really love that, that we're separating the two because I think you're right. That is a very common word that's being used right now, which is why I think it's so important for us to really get clear on what it is and, and what it means to us and our journey right now and how that affects us. I just went and visited a niece and she's, I think, nine and she made a comment. She goes, yeah, my teacher gets really triggered all the time. And having that word come out of that little nine-year-old, I thought, oh gosh, this really is the word of the century. So yes, it's being thrown around a lot. So let's get clear on what it is and what it isn't in regard to betrayal. Yes, exactly. One other thing I want to note too about just trauma in general is women who go through betrayal trauma, about 70% have the symptoms for PTSD. And so when we're talking about these traumatic responses, these are prolonged responses prolonged experiences that she is dealing with, or he, depending on the situation, I'm using she because that is the majority of the clients that we work with, but it can go both ways. But these prolonged experiences are what leads to this PTSD. So this is not like you're having a hard couple of weeks. We're talking about for some women, months and years of having these type of trauma responses. So when we're talking about triggers, let's just use the holidays because that's right now where we are, where I will tell you in my groups that I'm running right now, they're heavy and it's hard because women are having all sorts of triggers coming up. It's sights and smells and memories of what was and For those where this is their first Christmas since discovery, first are hard anyway. Like every first that you've done after discovery can be so difficult. The holidays, because it's this time that we wrap up in this pretty bow and there's all these lights and there's supposed to be all these wonderful feelings of love and peace and joy. And you're in the middle of chaos or pain or despair that can make everything feel so much more exasperated. Oh, absolutely. Especially when now you're around more family. Yes. Whether, where, depending on where you're at in this journey, a lot of women and their husbands, no one knows what's going on in their marriage. And so you're silently suffering and you're with your family and you're putting on the face, trying to just make it through. And I had a client the other day say, I'm sitting there with my spouse. We're on opposite couches. And I look over and every one of my siblings are sitting on the couch with their spouse, all cuddly, holding hands or touching each other. And we're on opposite ends. And that was extremely triggering for her. So these situations definitely add to <laughs> more of, of the triggers in her life. Mm-hmm. And that word silently suffering 
I've heard some women describe when nobody knows what's going on, they almost feel like they're now living a lie. Like their partners come out of the closet with this information and now they've gone in the closet. And that can feel so isolating and so lonely because now you're feeling like you're hiding and this thing that's on your mind all day long and is encompassing all of your feelings and all of your thoughts. And then you're with people who are just going on with their lives like nothing is wrong. And that can feel so lonely. Oh, so lonely. And I remember feeling like a fraud. I love being authentic and real with people. Mm-hmm. And not being able to talk about what was happening in my marriage was very painful. It was very silencing. But yeah, I remember that word resonates with me. I felt like a fraud because I, I was not being who I typically am. I'm, I love sharing. I'm an open book, the person. And that was hard. And this makes me think of like trauma responses. Trauma can feel like it changes you, who you are at your core. And I remember being in the middle of it, probably six months or a year in and taking some kind of personality test or assessment that I had to do at the time for school and going, that's not me. Like I used to be outgoing. I used to be confident. I used to, and all these things. I remember asking my therapist and I said, I get back the person that I was Mm. or am I like forever changed? And she wasn't very comforting. She said, I don't know. Trauma changes some people, but you might get some of it back. You might get none of it back. You might get all of it back. And I was like, that's not helpful. Tell me what I want to hear. That was not what I wanted to hear. Yeah. Because I didn't know who I was anymore. Yeah. And so there was a journey of trying to rediscover and re figure out who I was today. Something just came to mind when you shared that. I really appreciate you being vulnerable and expressing that experience because I can relate to that, wondering if I'm going to be that me again. I hear that a lot too, but I remember thinking, I just want to be me again, or who am I even anymore? I don't even know who I am anymore. Prior to me leaving my husband, I had flown out to visit my family and it was, it's a long story how that all came to be, but I had somehow managed to get out there. I don't remember anything about the flight. I don't remember getting on the plane, getting off the plane. It was a pretty dark time. My parents came to pick me up from the airport and they apparently walked past me a couple of times sitting on the bench and they didn't even recognize me. I had completely lost myself to the point where they physically didn't even recognize their own daughter anymore. So this is something that I think a lot of women can resonate with. But what came to mind when you were talking is that question you asked, will I ever get me back again? My experience is I got something different when I went through the healing process. When I healed from the betrayal and I started to move forward different tools now, deciding what I really want, who I really want to be, I'll tell you, I am not the same person that I was before I found out. Because in all honesty, that person before was being abused and treated in a way that I now know was not okay. I didn't know it then, but I'm glad I'm not that same person because I like who I am now because I have done the work, because I have chosen to heal. Don't Amy 2.0. Oh, 
Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Or Amy 10.2, who knows where you are in that process, but <laughs> I made a note to myself to ask you, do you know who you are? Have you found yourself? And are you the same person? And I hear you say you're, you're better. You're, 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 well, I am enough. Because before I never felt like I was enough. I never felt like I was pretty enough, sexy enough, good enough mom, good enough housekeeper, good enough Christian woman, good enough at forgiving, good enough at trusting, good enough. I, it was just always never enough, not valuable enough, not worthy enough. And trying to live in that space is hell. Oh, it's exhausting. And then when you discover what's really going on, it does help because it makes a lot of sense. So, oh, okay. I Now I'm not, I know I'm not crazy now, but now you go, at least I did, went into almost fix it mode, fix him, fix me. Now I really have a reason to fix myself and change and be different, but certainly not for the right reason. So healing to me is becoming who you are and choosing to be you with with God, with the savior, with who you were intended to be from the very beginning. And that was very cool. I was, I don't think I mentioned this last time, but I was single for about four and a half years before I remarried. And that was awesome time of my life. Not free from hard, not free from struggle by any means, but so awesome because that is where I did discover me and was okay with who I was just as I am. So even that word better, I don't particularly like because I, there is no, I just am who I am. I love all of it. I love the mess. I love the weird. <laughs> I love the broken. I'm okay with all of it now. And I wasn't before. I love that radical acceptance. And that does not come without effort. That does not come without working through the trauma, without working through the triggers as they come. So going back a little bit to those triggers, it changes as you're going through your journey, where in the beginning, you may not be able to even walk out your door without being just flooded with triggers. You may be in this place where you just see another living human being, and that's more than you can take. And then as you go in your journey, that may shift and it may change. It will shift and change as you're healing and as you're recovering, your triggers look different. I think that as I've been working with women, the triggers that are the most painful are the ones that are the most surprising or at the times that they have the greatest expectations of how it should be like the holidays. And yes. those ones can be the most difficult ones to handle. I agree. But let me ask you this. I So this one comes up a lot in the groups that I run. Just the trigger of another woman being in public. Even if you're not, I remember even after I was divorced, just sometimes just the trigger of another woman, seeing another woman was a trigger. So I would, I think let's talk about that one for a second, because I find that one come up a lot. First, we have to start with the why usually goes back to our primal brain, which is wired to keep us safe and to look for danger. You think about one of my analogies I like to use is you're walking through the forest and you get attacked by a bear 
the bear mauls you a bit, the bear takes off. So now you're well enough, you can get up, but you're like trying to go for help and you have broken bones and you're bleeding. Every time you hear a branch crunch, the wind blow through the trees, the rustle of leaves, like you're going to be on high alert because you don't want that bear to come attack you again. So everything, every little shadow, every little sound is going to feel like danger and not just a little danger. We're talking like a life or death danger. Mm -hmm. So when you've been through trauma and it's so scary and it brings up so much pain to the point of overwhelming all of your senses, then when you see a woman in a lot of these women's cases, it was your spouse looking at other women or acting out with other women. So then she becomes the danger. She becomes that symbol of what's so scary and so dangerous to you. Mm-hmm. And your brain sees that and all the alarms go off saying, you're in danger. You need to protect yourself. Get away. Really, it's the fight, flight, or freeze. So you may go into the fight of, I hate her. She needs to die. <laughs> Not that extreme, but I had those thoughts mm-hmm. at different times to... I need to get the heck out of here, the flight, or to just shutting down and not even being able to function, being at a grocery store going, okay, wait, what what do I like, what, where, why am, what do I need on my list? Like trying to get your brain back online. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. What it's funny example comes to my mind is when, so I never, in my story, I didn't know about the affair until after I had left. And and I still, for me, never had full disclosure. But, and I, so I never had a face. I never had a name. So when he chose to get remarried pretty quickly after, when I met her the first time, mm-hmm. I had a trauma response. She became that other woman. Even though I know that wasn't the woman that he, that he had an affair with, she then became that other woman and I hated her. So the face of, yeah, just all of the betrayal. Yeah. So I can relate to that. And I had to work through that and realize she's not that person. And I, for luckily it was only a year that I had to deal with that, but (laughs) before she took off, but I, that was extremely interesting because I spent when he, I think I spent an entire night crying that he was getting married to another woman. It was just that response of there's, there we go again, the other woman. And I was, we were divorced. So to your point, this doesn't, these don't go away. We can learn to manage them better, which I want to talk about here in a minute. We can learn to manage them and stay more in our power and strength with them. But golly, they're real. That one shocked me. I I felt a lot of shame and judgment, self-judgment around that one because I, we were divorced And I thought, why am I crying? I don't want him back. Why am I crying? Why am I having this response? Why am I feeling sorry for myself? It was really embarrassing and shameful, honestly. But yeah, looking back, it was a trauma response because she represented that other woman. Okay, let me ask you this real quick. So then what can we do when we are, say, this is our trauma response. We're having a trauma response to just other women in general, whether we're at the grocery store with our husband, walking down the street, whatever. What are some things that the women can do to help prepare for this and process it? Good question. First of all, I'll say the processing does not happen in the moment. 
Sometimes we want to recognize it and process it and move past it instantly. Doesn't work like that. Be great if it did. Right. But no, processing happens later. So in the moment, we just really need to stop and get grounded. And that starts with accepting that the trigger is happening. Sometimes we get triggered and don't even recognize we're triggered. I remember times all of a sudden being so mad and so irritable and so short with my kids or my husband. And then being like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden my brain starting to put two and two together and I'm going, oh, we're putting up lights on the Christmas tree. And when we did this last year, we were really happy. Mm -hmm. And this year, now I know stuff and it will never be happy again. Oh, that's why I'm so short with my kids. Mm -hmm. A lot of times our brain gives us signals before our mind catches up. So it's really practicing, allowing ourselves to be in the moment, to get grounded, to take the time to, to acknowledge that our body is trying to tell us something. We will throw out some ideas on how to handle triggers, but I will just put out there that so much of this is just trial and error and practicing. And it's a process of learning how to handle your triggers. And it's a process of learning to recognize the signals your body is telling you. And it takes time. Mm -hmm. And the triggers, people will ask me, so I'm six and a half years post my last discovery. And people will ask me, do you get triggered? Occasionally. Yeah, occasionally something will come up. I'll tell you, my husband and I have been missionaries in a church addiction recovery program. And about a year ago, I jumped in his truck and he had wanted to run to the church, which is about a mile away and just get some exercise in. And I was taking a little longer to get ready. So I said, okay, I'll just pick you up wherever you are on your run. And then he would hop in the truck. He hops in the, or I hop in his truck and turn on the truck and his radio starts. And all of a sudden it's loud music and it's blasting like rap music. And that was something that he used to listen to and do when he was in his addiction. And that trigger happened so fast. He has been in recovery for years. We literally were both headed to this missionary meeting, but that trigger happened and by the time I picked him up, he opened the door to the truck and just very slowly got in of what's happening because he could see it, he could feel it. And we talked about it and I processed it. But in that moment, the trigger can come even if you're doing everything right, even if you're doing your self-care, even if you're doing the work, triggers still happen. Mm -hmm. But if you're listening to this, I will give you hope. They're fewer and far in between as you keep healing. And the amount of time that it's, that you sit in it decreases. Absolutely. So before that kind of trigger may have threw me off for a week. By the time we got to the church, we were both in a good place. Yes. So that changes as well. Yes. A couple things come to mind is with triggers. And I think it's really important for us to own our own triggers. We need to know what typically triggers us. So again, going back and, and writing maybe a couple things down, maybe when you have a, a, a trauma response, something triggers you, write it down so that you can get really honest with yourself and curious about when and how you're being triggered. 
And then which of those can you do anything about? Hmm. I know there's a lot that we can't do anything about, but what can you do to prevent some of these triggers? For example, movies, right? If you know that you're going to get triggered, if you see a movie with a woman in it that's half-dressed, then don't go to the movie. So there's a lot of things that we can control. And again, I'm all about doing what we have power to change and to protect ourselves because that's our job. But isn't that weak that they don't drive down a certain road because it's triggering or isn't that weak? I hope you all can hear my sarcasm. (laughs) Isn't that weak that she won't watch a movie just because a woman's shirt may be a little bit tight? Isn't that interesting how our brain will offer us that thought or even the world? It's the most powerful thing we can do for ourselves because it goes back to choosing your life. You're choosing your healing. You're choosing in your recovery. That is up to you. And I love that. And I think sometimes when we hear that it's up to you, it's up to you. We get that negative connotation with it. No, thank God it's up to me to protect myself. So we need to decide and get really clear about what triggers we have power over to help. And maybe you can't get rid of all of them. Maybe you can't choose to avoid all of them, but you certainly can choose to, let's say family. Let's go back to the holidays. You're going to be around family. You're going to be around friends. There might be some cute new couples there that are all cute and cuddly with each other. Okay. So what can you do in that moment? That might happen. So decide now how you're going to respond. I want to talk later about self-care kit and what that means, but pull out your self-care kit. Maybe you go eat some, (laughs) go to the bathroom and get your kit out and do a couple of those things to bring you back to your center. But I want to encourage you to recognize and evaluate your control and your strength and power in these triggers. Then talking about trauma response, when you do have a trauma response, I believe those, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like those happen most often without, they just come. Like we don't really even anticipate the trauma response. Going to your point where you got in his car, you turned it on, it happened. Like there was no way of preparing for that. You didn't know that would be a trigger. And that was going to come up. And, And I can relate. Those happen It's been, I've been remarried two and a half years and I just had a trauma response. In fact, I called you right after I had it Mm -hmm. and I'm like, yep, I'm just here in the fetal position in my car. It just happens. You don't expect it, but to your, I want to keep validating what you said in that to give these ladies hope, it does come far and few between. They aren't as often anymore. And I was able to process that after it happened and move through it that night rather than two weeks Mm -hmm. of being stuck in that. Maurice Harker, the author of the book, Like Dragons, They Did Fight, talks about how it can be really helpful when you're in early recovery of creating almost like an incubator to heal. So you think about where you have these eggs that are put in incubators. It's they're protected from any harm. They're kept nice and warm. They're safe so that they can keep growing and healing. So it can be really beneficial in the beginning to create your own incubator 
meaning it's okay to not be around certain people for there was a good period of time. I didn't go around family at all because I just wasn't in a place that I was ready for that yet. I needed that incubator to just take care of me and take care of my kids. And that's all I emotionally could handle at the time. And that's not, and and it's not weak. And I thought it was, but now I'm learning or have learned that's one of the strongest things you can do is be able to do what it takes to take care of yourself. Yeah. I love the incubator. That's a lot more eloquent than what I use with my clients. <laughs> I use the, the correlation with the Seinfeld and the episode of Bubble Boy. No. <laughs> I'm like, you're bubble girl now, okay? Go in a bubble. You need to protect because you do. You've got to create that cush, that safety, that space around your brain, just like a concussion. It was injured. You've got to give yourself that space to heal. And which a whole other episode we're going to do is boundaries. But yes, keeping yourself, and that is up to you, your responsibility to keep yourself safe. And here's the thing, the the better you're able to do that and the sooner you're able to do that, the less damage that that you have to go through. Like you already have so much pain and so much stuff to work through. We don't need to go do exposure therapy right now and add more to it. Now, that being said, if you're in this place and now you've been in this incubator and you're stuck and it's time to come out and that does happen to some women, not to all women, that can happen, then that's a whole nother discussion and we can talk about that and you can work through that. And and that's where it's really helpful to, to work with one-on-one with the yeah. therapist. When you're in that place and you recognize it, you're primed to do some great one-on-one there. Mm-hmm. To help but you in, in the beginning, it's so essential. And it is one of the best ways that you can actually heal quicker. Nothing about healing is quick. I'll just unfortunately put that out there, but it, it does make a difference and it does help the process go faster and smoother if you can do that. Absolutely. So Amy, you had mentioned a self-care trauma kit. Explain yeah. what that is. So I love this idea. I don't know who, I don't know who, you know, to give credit to for this, but my gosh, it's brilliant. I think, so what it is, another excuse to buy a cute little purse. That's what it is. (laughs) You can buy the cutest little big wallet purse to put all of this stuff in, but you're essentially putting things in your kit that access and tap into all of your five senses, your touch, your taste, your smell, hearing, all of that. And So like little candies, a picture for something with sight, you can put your favorite picture of the savior in there or maybe your children or whatever is going to bring you back to your center. Chapstick, some gum. I highly recommend putting on a playlist on your phone that is soothing, that kind of connects you back to who you are, gets you out of what's happening and bringing you back to your center. So if you go through all of your senses, find something that, oh, I love the uh, essential oil one too for smell. Just, you can find these like cute little bottles of essential oils. Find your favorite smell, open one of those up. I can just shove it up all the way my nose. Man, those things are great. (laughs) Stick it all, drop, throw it all over your body. (laughs) But the point of it is to self-care, come back to you 
And it is extremely helpful when you're in the middle of a trauma response. Yeah, because what it does is it helps you get grounded back in reality. Yep. So many trauma responses can send you spinning in the unknown of the future or will flash you to the past. And that really brings you back, grounds you to the present. I remember one of my in-person groups, what we did is I bought them all a little container of lotion. And then we did a meditation with the lotion where we took our time and we took it and we just felt it. We smelt it. We talked about things that we loved in the group, things we saw and found strength in each other. And we incorporated all of these positive memories and feelings with the smell and with the feeling. So the idea was, and the women did use this moving forward, is when you are having a difficult time or you're being triggered, you can pull that out and let that smell just bring back those feelings and let it ground you in today. So I love those ideas. And there's no right or wrong for your trauma kit. No, it's what speaks to you, but really focus on having at least one thing from all of your five senses. Yeah. Yeah. I actually love that you just brought up that example of how you even put on the lotion. I'm watching you even doing that and it's soothing me. And I had to laugh to myself because for a while there, I would try to connect with myself, but I would, <laughs> like I could see myself getting that lotion and very harshly putting it on my hand and smacking my hands together and just not being very calm and gentle with myself, even throwing some words in there. Gosh, dang it. I'm having to do this because of that. The point of this kit, the point of everything you pull out, slow it down. As I watched you just do that, my visual, I I wish you all could see that visual, slow it down. When you pull everything out, go slow with the lotion on. When you put the lotion on your hands, rub it into your hands slowly, connect, feel every finger that it sounds, it can sound strange to maybe some of you, but my gosh, it's powerful. Slow it down. One thing that's not officially part of the trauma kit, but so good with trauma responses and triggers is to slow down and breathe. Mm-hmm. And so I do the seven eleven rule in for seven out for 11. And as I do that, if I'm escalated, I will take my hand and I will put it on my neck and then just my neck and my collarbone. And I just put it there skin to skin because that for me helps me feel centered with myself. It's right in the center of my body. I feel my heart beating. I can feel my chest. I'm here. I'm present. I'm alive. And that process helps me get back into my body and helps me get back into today. I love that. That's so powerful. Okay. One thing I also want to mention about honoring our trauma responses, something that I found myself doing when I had a trauma response was feeling a lot of guilt and shame, feeling like if I had this response, I must not be healing enough. There we go. Mm -hmm. back. I'm not enough part. I must not be doing enough. And it can feel like you're even going backwards. Oh, I thought I was doing so well. And why am I having this response? I feel like I'm going all the way back to the beginning again. And something that I have discovered is extremely powerful is to honor that response. And I think you mentioned this earlier in the very beginning, 
Our brain and body was designed to warn us and protect us. For example, I'll go back to this recent one I, I had. I It came out of nowhere. I thought I did a really good job talk, talking to my ex-husband. We had a great, it all, it did, it went great. And as I drive, as I drove away from that encounter, I even thought, nice job, Amy, you did well. <laughs> Not so long, man. two minutes later, my body had a reaction. I had a trauma response. And before I knew it, I was going through a drive-through. So my trauma response is binging. And I no sooner found myself going through a drive-through, sitting in a dark parking lot, binging on fast food again crying and feeling like what is happening? My body started shaking and trembling all of that all over again. And I'll be honest, I sat there and I, I thought I did this right. And feeling that shame and that self-judgment. And once I finished, you know, my McFlurry, <laughs> then I could go, okay, what just happened? And walk myself through it and realize that my body and brain just said, what the heck? You just talked to the tiger. It was reminding me that this person at one point in my life was very dangerous. And I just talked to him. And so rather than judging myself and feeling shame, honor your brain and body for doing its job. What a beautiful gift God's given us to know that I will always, my brain and body will always tell me that there's danger. My job is to say thank you for letting me know. But at this point in my life, just a couple of weeks ago, I could say thank you. Thank you for letting me know that at one point he hurt me and he was dangerous, but I'm okay now. I'm okay. There is so much strength in being able to honor that part of our brain and body because it will happen, but it's doing its job. So thank it, don't judge it, don't be pissed at it, <laughs> but honor it and then move forward from there. I think that's a beautiful way to wrap up today's episode. That is so powerful. And sometimes it can be so hard to remember to thank your body for trying to keep you safe and thank your brain for trying to keep you safe. And when you can switch that paradigm, it puts you in a place of empowerment. And it puts you in a place where those feelings and these responses don't have to control me. I can recognize them, honor them, be gentle with myself, and keep moving forward. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for being part of our conversation. If at any point you would like to have any one-on-one -on -one sessions, I'm just going to put a plug for Amy really quick in the fact that what she was talking about of these trauma responses and recognizing in them, honoring them, whether you're staying in a marriage, whether you're leaving the marriage, whether the marriage is already over, all of these principles still apply. Reach out. Don't do this alone. Whether you do it with a group, with a coach, with a therapist, make sure that they're trained in this trauma. Because if you don't address this and recognize the trauma piece of it, then we can't honor those responses. And if we're not honoring the trauma that's coming up and we're not addressing that, then it means we are shoving it down 
And we do have to heal it to feel it. We do have to walk through the pain, unfortunately, to get through the pain. It doesn't mean we have to drown in the pain, but it does mean that we need to see what's going on and recognize it. And these triggers and these trauma responses don't have to be forever. What's going on today does not have to be your forever future. Healing is absolutely possible. So we will see you next time. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you for joining our conversation today. We hope that you feel a little bit more strength, a little bit more hope after today's episode and how to approach the coming holidays, especially, but in navigating your own healing journey and noticing and recognizing and honoring these triggers and trauma responses. Go to the show notes and print out the self-care trauma kit that we talked about in today's episode and know that you are not alone in this journey. Choose recovery, choose healing, choose you. Take care, everybody.